1: inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
0: One House is a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered Hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are Recruit, Retain, Relax. Recruit retain, recruit, retain,
1: Relax. Recruit, Retain, Relax. Recruit, Retain,
0: Relax.
2: Beautiful. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the inaugural show for Recruit, Retain, Relax. Uh, we have great guests with us today. And uh, our goal with this show is uh, obviously to look at the three R's, what we call Recruit, Retain, and Relax, as it pertains to the industry, the hospitality industry. Uh, With me, I have my co-host, Sarah Deal. Hi. Hey. From Empowered Hospitality and yours truly, Mike Hewitt from One House Recruiting. So, uh, we're going to start off with uh, introductions to our guests today. Really excited to have Michael Weatherby from Alta Calidad, Uber, cool, (laughs) Brooklyn-based restaurant. Yeah, you can laugh, it's true. Thank you for having (laughs) me. Nice. And uh, next to him, we have uh, Jonathan Moldenhauer, Yeah? That's correct. Nice. (laughs) From major food groups. Uh, First of all, congratulations on your Michelin uh, nods, right, Uh, on that Michelin spectrum. They just came out this week. Very excited about having both of you on the show, which is really cool.
3: Welcome to both of you.
2: Thank you. Nice. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, you know, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? We're uh, talking about the staffing dilemma, right, as it pertains to the hospitality sector, how it's changing, and how operators can react and adapt to it, right? We hope that we come up with some solutions during these shows um, to this dilemma. But if anything, it's going to be a lively conversation and there probably will be some takeaways uh, from the show. Uh, We're going to attack this relevant topic from all different angles. The recruitment side, obviously, the retention of talent and that intangible quality of life variable that everyone's looking for. you know, traditionally, it's been all about the recruitment and you know, where do we find people? Everyone's scrambling to find the right people. Uh, there's been a little bit of a shortage of actual staff, um, and some would say qualified staff. But we feel that the conversation has shifted a little bit more to the retention. Right, Once you've found that rock star, then uh, we're... For a lot of people that, you know, the action ends, for us, it really starts, right? How do we keep them there? What do we do to actually <clears throat> maintain that staff that we've fought so hard to, to achieve to get? Um, Sarah and I obviously take this topic pretty seriously. We both run successful uh, national recruiting and human resource consulting companies serving the industry uh, from Michelin to mom and pop, fine dining to fast casual. Um, so we, we cover the spectrum, which is awesome. Uh, we're going to kick it right into the recruitment side and i'll start with michael tell me uh what are some unorthodox staffing methods that you have used recently and have they yielded any good results
4: um well it's pretty relevant right now because we just opened our restaurant alta calidad about eight months ago um and uh it's interesting and ironic that uh, in a time where the interest in food and beverage and restaurants and food culture is at its highest that it's the most difficult time in my 15-year career mm-hmm. to find people right and it really is using every means and method possible you know so for the staffing of my own restaurant um you know, I really was out there with my wife, going to restaurants and identifying people who would make uh, a good fit for our restaurant. With the idea, not so necessarily so much that uh, I'm going to poach that individual person, right? But more so that I feel like like-minded people gravitate towards each other, right? And so if uh, there's a stellar bartender, or stellar server, or manager that's touching uh, each table, that they probably have uh, surround themselves with other. Uh, like-minded people and people with the same kind of work ethic and ethos um, it's called
2: recruitment by osmosis <laughs>
4: <laughs> exactly um so you know i would you know let them know what, what's going on what we're doing that we're opening a you know uh, a restaurant in brooklyn that we're striving for this high quality experience and if they know anybody um you know to kind of put the word out and i would give them my car and i felt like that has yielded definitely uh, great results for us. You know, our entire opening team was staffed with people that came from that. Uh, and I found that it was better uh, success rate than, you know, Craigslist, where I would get maybe one qualified person for every 100 emails. Um,
2: We've all been through that drama, for <coughs> sure. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's definitely proactive recruitment, and you're going out there and, you know, and cherry-picking uh, people that you think will be a good cultural fit, but obviously have the right skill set to excel. Uh, so that's a good good way about it um jonathan anything interesting on your end as far as uh you know any methods or tools that you've used
5: i would i'm hesitant to use the word unorthodox but i would say at major food group you know we've been working towards the we opened up the grill and the pool and we're working towards the opening of the lobster club right now Um, we're not afraid to be competitive in fact we think it's you know it's very natural and what you know all industries actually need is healthy competition so we're not afraid to put that out there and be bold and be competitive um, even when it comes to um, the recruitment realm and I think a lot of people can be weary of that
2: competition word these days but I think it only serves to better the industry as a whole that makes a lot of sense just with a lot of different sectors right competition is going to up the quality Um, And that obviously applies here just to add obviously Jonathan is the human resource director at major food group So it's an interesting angle versus Michael Weatherby who is owner-operator of Alta Calidad. So the key is to have a couple different, you know, views viewpoints on on where we're finding our staff Um, They say the honey gets the bees, right? What are some unique or differentiated hooks that you that you have used to attract the best talent, right? something maybe unique something that is kind of inherent in your culture that, you know, they'll look at and be like, wow, I definitely want to work here.
4: I think the thing that's worked the best for us and uh, for me, in particular, over my career um, is we we can't compete with large companies, right? Like uh, Jonathan was saying that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different incentives that you can provide, but definitely... um, you know, compensation packages that you might find in a larger company is not something that we're able to provide, given that yeah. we're a smaller hospitality company. So, what I really try to strive for is quality of life, right? And so, anytime I sit down with an individual that's looking for employment and a prospect, uh, I tell them about our culture. And really, it's not just about them being an employee, but Uh, about this quality of life that we're looking for it it to be a great experience and a great relationship. It needs to make sense for them as much as it does does for us. So uh, something that we often kind of practice is if we have a a stellar employee, someone that does a great job, a a great example would be two or three people have left us for a month to pursue their passion of acting. One went to, is in Austin right now. Um, nice. One went to D.C. for to work at uh, Shakespeare Theater. And what we can provide is that if you're a great employee and you are a great team member, that when you come back, uh, you're going to have a position, right? That's so uh, we offer a flexibility of schedule. right? Like the, if you're a rock star employee, you tell me what days you want to work. And uh, we put a man on the moon that i like to say, I think we can work out a schedule that accommodates your life. right? And so those are the things that are maybe non-monetary uh, that really kind of help to uh, attract employees and that they appreciate
2: I love that Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of times people think of the tangible right can I get an extra 5k or an extra this or bonuses a lot of times you know, at the end of the day they're working for for you right so if they respect you if they see that you're actually carrying on a business that's high integrity that's actually treating people well and it's a fun atmosphere that you're creating in your culture that's going to go a long way versus just cookie cutter this is your comp this is it you know and then it's uh, those obviously there's candidates like that out there they're more mercenary style they're looking (laughs) for the bottom line and others actually just want to enjoy a good workplace that they you know they feel like they are being heard and that they're like you said the scheduling I think that's an important bit Uh, it comes down to that quality of life bit right where a lot of people have different needs some maybe are actors they need daytimes to do their Auditions. Others are more family-oriented and they want to at least be able to put their kids down to bed at night, things like that. So that is important that the ownership is looking at that and actually uh, doing something about it instead of just rigid, hey, take it or leave it, this is the job. I think
3: also to add something and highlight what Michael said, approaching recruitment from a standpoint of truly and authentically representing your company and what it stands for and not trying to cater to what you think the employee is looking Mm -hmm. for. And I see a lot of that across the industry. You know, we think compensation drives recruitment. We think that time off drives recruitment. The question is, Mm -hmm. truly, when you show your true colors, is that something that appeals to the person? Because then you have that lasting cultural fusion between Mm -hmm. that person and the company they're working with.
2: You're keeping it real, which is nice. And isn't that really um, similar to dating? Right? I mean, right? Don't you want to actually <laughs> show who you really are instead of trying to act like, I wonder what he or she wants to hear, you know? And then it usually bites you in the butt. So, well, And I think people <laughs> want to
4: be proud of where they work, right? Yeah. Kind of like dating. You want to be proud of the person you bring home for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? And uh, nice. kind of you want to be proud of the place that you take your friends and your family to say, this is where I work and this is, um, you know, what pays my bills and I'm proud to work here. And totally. that, that, that doesn't always uh, equate to dollar dollars and bottom exactly. line, as you said.
5: I think you really hit it on the, on the needle mic with the tangible and the intangible word. Mm-hmm. That's something I try to focus on a lot is you, I think you have to get the intangibles right first before you can even focus on the mm-hmm. tangible. So are you communicating your culture clearly? Do your applicants kind of know and feel what you're about just naturally before they even step in your door? I think you have to put a lot of attention towards those things, which can be the hardest to get right. Because then your tangibles aren't gonna, aren't even gonna matter. You have to get that right first. That's what really gets the attention, what attracts the person first. Mm-hmm. The next type of stuff is just kind of like what keeps them happy, what keeps them going. It's their kind of base things that they need, but you got to get the intangibles right. Yeah,
2: that makes a lot of sense. Um, w- one thing in our line of work that we, you know, come across from time to time, which is quite frustrating, is the old bait and switch, right? And again, for us, it's important that you know a client is you know, portraying a specific position that equals the post-hire position, right? As opposed to bells and whistles, and this is what it's going to be like. And sure enough, once they're signed on and they start, it's okay for a job to evolve, right? In, within time. But when, they, when a candidate gets the feeling, wow, I just got totally bamboozled here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the job that I interviewed for. It just makes everyone look bad. And obviously, they're not going to stay, and they shouldn't stay. Um, they shouldn't be shackled to that.
3: And that's where you see the
2: turnover,
3: right? I I talk a lot about it in terms of growth. (laughs) You know, to me, I've never heard a restaurant group not say that they're growing. And that's something that excites a lot of employees because for that, they see growth for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I would push you know, operators who are recruiting HR professionals to truly look at their growth and whether representing themselves as a growing company is accurate Mm -hmm. in the sense that it offers growth to that person. If that growth is two years down the road, that's fine. And you can still say you're a growing company, but are you potentially misleading them Mm -hmm. by making them think that, you know, as millennials would like in six months, they'll be moving into their next role.
2: Oh, you should use the M word. We're going to get to M Oh, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. If our attention span, you
1: know, just
2: kidding, millennials. Um, but, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want to keep it real with the growth, um, just like you probably don't want to say, hey, we're probably going out of business in a couple months when you're interviewing either. Um, <laughs> so technology, obviously a big part of what we do, right, <clears throat> especially in the last couple of years. So how has technology changed the way that you hunt for, for a team? Um, any platforms that stand out? out of the crowd maybe Um, and again we're talking about online services ways to find people um, anything that you guys use Jonathan
5: Um, I mean we use all the job boards and cast a very wide net Um, a couple leaders in the industry like our Harry and culinary agents Mm -hmm. seem to be a good place to go Craigslist is still a good place to go you it tends to be a place where you post volume. and you, you get the volume right, and you kind of have to kind of dig through and weed through a little bit more, but it's still very much an industry standard. Um, on the other side of technology, that's just like the job boards and the posting. There's a whole other segment <clears throat> that I think the industry is just starting to get into, and that's really looking at people analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, so running numbers, running re- running retention, how long are employees staying, where are they coming from, is there a trend that the – that these people who come from this sector or this, this website or whatnot are, tend to stay longer. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and really kind of crunching that data, and, and maybe you find stuff that you don't even realize that you would find. Um, or running, you know, what how benefits correlate or, or all these numbers, I think there's a lot of data. The tech world is very good at this. They have, you know, Google and whatnot and all the players in Silicon Valley have whole teams, like 50 people dedicated just to looking at people analytics. So I think it's really fascinating and intriguing to see our industry starting to pay more attention to to the people that are within their restaurants and how and what they need and how that data might play into um, certain fields as you know groups you know get more, HR departments. Every it's almost a standard now that restaurants have an HR department, and the HR department within restaurants is evolving itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're becoming we 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 have a very important seat at the table, and um, we're becoming as not only just HR people who advise on the law, mm-hmm. but we're becoming a very essential part of it's the operation and the operators. And we're the people um, looking at that data and kind of advising on that. And I always say that the HR department is kind of the the um, the heart. We're there to remind um, our company and the industry about you know the importance of your people. And I think I really for me, grow. I'm technically a millennial myself. <laughs> um, but so for me, I don't me, think I make the cut. Um, so for me, growing up with the technology and always being in the technology, I'm really excited to start you know, crunching some data and looking at some numbers and seeing where that may correlate in some trends that I that could possibly see. But I think the industry is just now starting to kind of really get into that space. Some that other, makes sense. Some other industries kind of have a leg up on us because they're maybe the ones that build the technology, but I think we're starting to get into that and I think it's yeah. going to be fascinating.
2: Hospitality has traditionally been those, those late adopters, right? It's like, come on, guys, get it together. Like all these other industries, have figured out and created disruptors, right, to, to elevate the whole game, and hospitality has been lagging a little bit on that, but if there is one industry that's resourceful and figures shit out, is the hospitality industry, so we're in a good plot, uh, good place. Michael, any um, any good platforms? Or I think... Internet? I mean, you mentioned that, again, you're more guerrilla-style, you go out there and you actually talk to humans, which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> we are in the people business, after all, but... Anything you... you Fair guys. enough. Uh,
4: I think Jonathan hit the nail on the head in that uh, there, there's such a need for quality people and it's so difficult to find them. You have to cast the widest net possible and you really mm-hmm. utilize all the platforms. Uh, everything, uh, like I said, from Craigslist to Culinary Agents to uh, mm-hmm. Facebook, uh, which has worked well with us, just really kind of reaching out to our own friends. And there's kind of this yeah. responsibility through association. If I'm going to refer somebody to you, and uh, they reflect on the person, that Correct. particular person. So it's kind of... It has more weight. Yeah. It, it carries more weight and responsibility, and, and that's worked well for us. But uh, I don't think it's a preference as much as it is a necessity to really utilize all the platforms, right? And I think uh, Jonathan probably is in a good position where, uh, you know, especially being a more formal HR team, that we can kind of analyze, uh, and I think it's important to analyze what's being useful and what's giving them the most... Uh, bang for their buck, for the lack of a better term.
2: That makes sense. I mean, knowledge is power, and and being able to mine some human analytics, right, that you can actually dissect and figure out what's working, what's not, is I think is key to the future, right? Because then you start looking at trends, you start seeing what's working, what's not, and you're not just winging it, essentially. Awesome. Uh, We're going to switch over to the other R, which is retention, right? Yeah, perfect. And moving on with Sarah.
3: Okay, great. So we're going to turn the conversation to retention. So as much energy as we spend in hospitality on recruiting our team, we frequently forget to consider retention as the other side of the coin. In 2015, industry turnover exceeded 70%, and it's continued to trend at least over 60%, and in some companies, probably still above 70 to 80% Ouch. per year. Um, our struggle to retain talent results in our constant recruiting hustle. So... I wanted to actually start with Michael and ask you, are there any employee programs and or cultural values that you feel have resulted in better retention for you? And a second question, which we'll come to next, is what keeps you around historically? What has (laughs) kept you in your jobs? What's kept you from running to the next best thing?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that Jonathan talked about, uh, spoke about a little bit earlier, really, and what we're striving for at Alta Calidad is really uh, a strong culture of integrity and pride and respect. And I think uh, putting that on the forefront has definitely, you attract a certain type of individual, right? And uh, I also think uh, what's, you know, something that we've been trying to implement is really making it. Uh, which is a little bit uh, ironic, given that we need people so badly, is making it more difficult for people to get the job, right? It's, it's not just a warm body. It's not just mm-hmm. you're available on these days and you happen to be a server at this particular restaurant, you're hired, you start on Saturday. Mm-hmm. As much as that would be make certain things easier, it's mm-hmm. about really putting uh, people through two or three interviews, even though it's not maybe a management position. I think it uh, it's helped to attract a better quality individual mm-hmm. uh, makes them sit up a little bit straighter and take the job a little more seriously and uh, you, know, you know and I feel it also it vets people and weeds people all they're like well oh, this place is a little too mm-hmm. buttoned up for us yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's I good don't to I, know
2: earlier on right Just yeah a, absolutely yeah,
3: yeah. so, so I, I often hear concerns about the timeline that you know, two or three interviews is going to extend the process to the point where someone's going to jump into a job that they find after their first interview somewhere else. So do you find that you've had a lot more attrition in the interview process as a result?
4: I mean, we we make it happen pretty quickly. You know, it's not a two or three week series of interviews like you might find for a manager candidate. Um, But I think, you know, if, if the individual's really looking for not just a paycheck, but a quality place that they're looking to stay for a while. I think it comes kind of goes hand in hand that they're going to take their time and find the. And if they're truly confident in themselves and they have something to offer, uh, they're going to want to find the uh, the best place to work, and it mm-hmm. it, it works on both for both uh, parties.
3: Yeah, Jonathan, how about you?
4: Um, I would
5: say an all too often forgotten element I think is to just have fun. Um, that's actually in one of you know one of major food groups values, and I think it really um, plays into both realms for us. Not only internally with our people and the people who work for us, but our guests who come into our restaurants. Both sides are having fun. You know, that's when I was interviewing for the position that I'm in now with major food group. Um, and Major Fruit Group did not have HR before me. I, I came in and was the first HR. <laughs> like the, wow. the, you know, Jeff was interviewing me, and he said, you know, do you know how to have fun at work and still get the still get the job done? And I think that's essential because everybody, every it's no secret, everybody in this industry knows that we spend more time, arguably, at our place of work than we do in kind our personal life or at, or at home. So I think it's essential that... People are enjoying wanting to be at work. People are waking up wanting to go to their place of mm-hmm. work. Um, you, have, you have to get that right. And I think you can't be afraid to be bold and to, and to have fun at work. That doesn't mean you're not getting the job done. You're not, getting it, you're not getting it done well and doing everything that you need to do. But you have a certain passion for the, um, for the industry and for what you do. And through that, you're able to have, um, fun with what you're doing. And I think, um, that's part of your culture within a company. And for us, it really trickles down from the, from the top and, um, to everybody. So I think that is key to us for, um, retaining our employees and our, and our people. Um, what keeps me around, I guess, Mm -hmm. is the other part of that question is I'm very fortunate to work for a company that recognizes the importance of human resources. Um, I play a very important um, part in the company. At least I feel that internally, um, and I think that to me is invaluable. And I know that it's something in the industry and with other, you know, with with that isn't always recognized as being um, important or a key player. I happen to work for a company that really understands. HR and thinks it's essential to the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's true of any department in any position. I think, you know, um, if, if the person feels that they're respected and that, 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 that what they do is important and that's coming not only from within themselves, but from within their peers, I think that is also key.
2: Nice. And you, you did touch upon, you know, the having fun. And I think it's also maybe a, a bigger highlight or spotlight on you, HR director, to really show you know employees what's acceptable and what's not right it doesn't mean compliance you can still have fun and and have a compliant workspace where you're saying okay this is right this is wrong and then people kind of know the bookends right What, what they can do and get away with and and still have fun and get the job done and not get in trouble
5: Yeah, I love,
2: I love HR. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to (laughs) human resources,
5: but I really have fun doing what I do. I know the stereotypical can be like the HRs, you know, like the, the boring department. We're not boring at, um, at major food group. I'd like to say, I think we're a very, you know, fun department. We still, um, get everything done. Right. And as the the way it needs to be. And we, you know, we try our best to be, you know, compliant all the
3: realms,
2: but Mm. we're fun too. Even when you fire someone, you can still make it fun. (laughs) Uh,
3: Maybe not in that circumstance. (laughs) You both have talked uh, a lot about kind of the cultural drive behind retention, and you obviously both put culture in the forefront in your companies to keep people around. So what is maybe one way you can think about that you kind of weave culture in through the employee's experience, either deliberate or not?
5: Um, We... And I think that we have one of the most generous, um, dining programs for our employees in the industry. Um, so we give them a very large discount and we also have, um, annual anniversary dinners where employees can also get a t- completely free experience, um, at one of our restaurants every year. And, you know, we really encourage them to go to the place where they work the first year to really kind of get the experience. Um, of what it's like for a guests to come into their own restaurant, but then you know we open it up. You know af- after the employee's been with us for a few years, we open it up where they can go to um, different restaurants within the company. And so I think we often forget. You know you read about all the um, great benefits that that companies like Google has and whatnot, but we often forget how cool our industry, as we get so focused on being working within our industry, we forget how that we're actually, we're the cool kids on the block, Mm -hmm. Um, because guests and people are, you know, coming to our restaurants and really enjoying it. So from the inside, it's important to recognize that you know, offering that dining experience is a really, really, really great benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's the perfect way for your employees to understand and realize what you're all about. And for a group like us, it's not only important that they, um, if you're working at Dirty French, that you understand what Dirty French is about, but it's also important that, you know, you go try out Santina and you and you understand and see what Santina is about. Um, so... Um, we try to get. We try to encourage our employees to really get out there and to to experience what it's like to be a guest.
3: That's great, Michael. Yeah. How about you? For Alta
4: Calidad, uh, given that we're such a new restaurant, we're definitely evolving and kind of. Uh, figuring it out as we go right and but for us uh, a major thing is education right and given that uh, we have our chef and my partner Dr. nawab is just a wealth of information who's worked at some of the best restaurants in, in the country um and so what we really love to do is uh we have employees that have experience from very little to have worked at john george um and their knowledge of product and uh hospitality is varied, you know, so for us, what we really try to do is try to weave that culture in is really give them a lot of education to be able to bring out. It's one thing to recite something for a guest. It's another thing to smell it, taste it, feel it. Uh, One thing that, you know, definitely on the horizon is, you know, taking these field trips that maybe larger companies are able to provide for their employees, um, but really kind of make that connection of this is where the product's coming from this is the farmer this is when you sell this dish to a guest and they enjoy it this is who it's benefiting not just your pocket but these people that are uh out there in the food industry you know so that education is a big part of our culture
2: yeah and along with that company culture where if you're going on trips you're actually building a little bit of rapport with the team absolutely and it's and they're getting a takeaway so it's like a win-win there
3: Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, again, kind of both of you speaking to a really similar theme, there is something really kind of tactile in what we do in restaurants. So there's the tasting, the drinking, the interactions that have led all of us, I think, to choose hospitality as a place for our careers.
4: I mean, it's a beautiful industry. And I think uh, for those of us at work, the hours that Jonathan was mentioning, you know, upwards of 15 hours a day, sometimes it can get lost, right, in the in the grind. And, uh, you know, very often, you know, we forget, like, this is what we love about it. It's about making somebody feel good when they come in the door. It's about that beautiful experience of food and beverage. And uh, we need to kind of excite our own team about that uh, and not get caught up in, you know yeah. the administrative part of it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good
2: point. And and again, it speaks to dining experience, right? You're not going out to eat; it's an experience, mm-hmm. and, and it's a whole conglomerate of all these little details. It could be like going to a table, you know, call and saving, you know, that experience for them, and that mm-hmm. makes your day. Mm-hmm. Every shift has like its ups and downs and and takeaways, and sometimes you got you get home after a shift, you're like, wow, I made a difference with this person. I made that person happy. kind of makes sense.
3: Yeah. And we often talk about the employee experience. So I think it really resonates in the sense that, you know, an employee's experience of working for a hospitality group is a lot more than just the nuts and bolts of the job. It's the whole picture with all of the colors and flavors and people that we interact with. So, um, second question kind of moving away from, you know the tactile and the beautiful aspects of hospitality to the millennial generation who love to be, you know, on their phones on Instagram and maybe a little less tended towards touching and tasting and interacting. By the way, I'm a millennial. Um, I'd love to understand from both of you a if you see this um, culture shift as more and more millennials enter your companies. And B, uh, what do millennials want?
4: I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also, it's probably, I would say this is your toughest question because I, I really I don't know, but it's, uh, I need to figure it out. We need to figure it out. Um, it, we want to, this is our workforce is the millennials, right? And the, the inst- I don't want to sound like the grandpa that said I walked through five miles of snow to get to work and like... You know, it's better back in the day. Um, you did. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little bit like that that grandpa. Um, But, you know, we have amazing people in our industry, but it's really just trying to, for us, really trying to identify what's important to them, right? But I think uh, we definitely have to pivot and shift in how we approach these uh, potential employees and these people working for us because it is culturally different. And I think the need that you mentioned earlier in the show for... Uh, instant gratification or shorter, uh, shorter window towards gratification, uh, is, is relevant, you know, and we're we are still figuring it out for sure, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, maybe John can give us some pointers on <laughs> since Tell he is a Jonathan. millennial, he can speak firsthand.
5: I don't think millennials actually have different wants or needs. I think maybe that millennials are just more vocal about their wants and the needs, but I don't think it actually differs from prior generations. Um, one unique aspect that I think um, the new generations are very vocal about and, and looking to as importance is they want, and I think you touched on it earlier, Sarah, was this sense of purpose um, for where for where they work. I think that's something that um, not only we do really good, but I think the industry is uniquely positioned to really provide in that. Again, we're, we run restaurants, and restaurants is something that, you know, everybody loves. Everybody loves restaurants. Mm -hmm. They like to go out and have a nice dining experience and enjoy themselves. And um, it's something that, you know, is usually regarded as something celebratory. And I think we're uniquely um, positioned to give the people who work for us a sense of purpose. Because again, as as Michael was saying earlier, that um, we're providing these really great experiences for our guests. And our guests are leaving happy and, you know, and they're hopefully creating memories that they're going to have for the rest of their lives at our places of work. And all of our employees who work with us are contributors um, to that and in a way contributing to enriching these people's lives who come into our restaurants and, and enjoy a nice meal.
3: I think it's interesting what you said. It's not that we want different things necessarily. It's that we talk about it more. And I do think that the need for constant communication is a a big characteristic of the millennial generation. Something I can definitely say for myself as a representative. Um, <laughs> the desire. You're representing
2: a whole generation. Yeah. I, I am it's representing. Lot, it's a lot of people. People. Pioneer. Speaking yeah. Yeah. on their behalf. And and Grandpa Michael over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so you know, to me, I think that that need for consistent feedback
4: and, and that might be it right it might be it's uh, like Jonathan was saying that it was, it's the same uh, concerns and issues and uh, wants but just in a more vocal manner you know but and for us it's really interesting we really have had a challenging time uh, staffing and this I don't want to open up a whole new uh, can of worms maybe yeah. on another show but yeah. the disparity between the front of house and back of house right yeah. and while we've had the by and large, the uh, the team in our front of house for Alta Calidad has remained the same, but the back of house there's uh, we've experienced a lot more turnover, um, and it's just interesting that we have certain individuals that uh, you know I'm used to, uh, and Jonathan can speak on this a little bit more, but maybe getting evaluations and pay raises uh, several times a year, maybe mm-hmm. twice a year. Um, you know uh probationary period um we now we're experiencing people asking for a raise every eight weeks uh yeah. and then after we decline maybe after the second or third time they move on, uh, they move on and, and you know i i understand that you know the need definitely the need for compensation but it makes it uh, very tough for the operators
2: yeah you know? yeah as uh, as the bottom line is shrinking you know more and more each day right that puts extra pressure uh forgetting about the whole wage increases the non-tipping those were all great topics that we probably will challenge and and battle with on future shows but but yeah you bring up a good point right it's like you want to retain them and you want to make them happy but what they're asking for sometimes is something that you just financially can't do Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe there's other ways that you can incentivize them bonus structures that's where the creativity comes in right it's it's performance-based
3: yeah. And again, a lot of it figures are in communication, setting yep. expectations so that when someone comes in, we're laying the foundation with our culture, with what your path looks like at the company so that there are no surprises. So Correct. that you already know when you're starting that eight months or eight weeks into your time with the company, you're not <laughs> going to get a raise.
1: 100%. Um,
3: that's really important. So well, we want to take a quick break for commercial. Um, But thank you, both of you. And uh, we're going to come back with a little surprise.
4: Thank you.
6: table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set, spotless on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. Empowered hospitality solutions include a fully outsourced HR department, a la carte recruitment, compliance, and HR hotline services, training and education, and strategic advisement.
3: All right, welcome back to Recruit, Retain, Relax. We are here with Michael Weatherby of Alta Calidad and Jonathan Moldenhauer of Major Food Group, and we are ready for a quick fire.
1: Oh no. We want
3: to hear about how (laughs) you relax. So, we are going to ask you some questions about relaxation. Um, By the way, Michael and Jonathan have not been prepared at all to answer these questions, yeah. so hopefully they won't yeah. say anything incriminating.
4: Train's about uh. to go off the rules. <laughs> off the rails, so yeah. to speak.
3: All right, totally. gentlemen, I'm going to start with Jonathan. Finish this sentence I feel most relaxed after
5: watching the view.
3: Yes, I love it. <laughs> oh my God. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs>
2: I need a glass of wine after that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Michael?
4: After putting. Our twin baby girls to sleep, nice. and having a glass of wine, as Mike's mentioned, yeah, or awesome. a bottle at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Love it,
3: Mike. How about you?
4: Same how answer. I feel relaxed
2: no, <laughs> Yeah,
3: you feel most relaxed I'm after. I'm gonna copy
2: Grandpa Michael over here with, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, putting a baby down with a glass of wine first. It's an actual, you know, it's an incredible art form and skill set, and we've, uh, you know, mastered it. Uh, but yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, testing out a new delicious wine. After a long shift or a long day, I think it's a nice way to calm down and get some Z's, you know, a couple hours. Love you know. it.
3: Love it. After a crazy night on Saturday, Michael, what's the first thing you're eating Sunday morning?
4: Chef Octurnal Chili Killis and Alta
5: Calidad.
3: The shameless plug. <laughs> so good. Awesome. Jonathan?
5: Greasy pizza. Yeah.
3: From anywhere in particular? We'd all like to go
5: no <laughs>
2: <laughs>
5: it's corner
3: pizza Just good place pizza.
5: also the, my favorite all-american meal cheeseburger fries and a shake it's good
3: mm, gotta love it Michael you're about to fire a great employee for doing something really dumb what do you do five minutes beforehand to clear your mind
4: oh, this is a tough one uh I don't think there's any real easy way to, to terminate somebody, especially if they're a great employee, right? But I think you just have to be honest and forthright and empathetic, um, but kind of explain to them this is why uh, it's not going to work out anymore, right? And I think uh, if they're already a quality employee, uh, they will understand. You know, I would like to think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're just being uh, candid about the real reasons why you're letting them go. But it's never an easy situation.
3: Yeah. Jonathan?
4: Put yourself
5: in their shoes. Um, take a moment to, to, to be in their shoes and be in their mind and and see what answers you come up with your, for yourself. And I think that's also a good way to kind of test what you're about to do. Um, if you put yourself in their shoes and you say, you know, can I see this coming? Um, then Then you should probably have a pretty easy conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, If you put yourself in their shoes and you're like, oh, this is going to be a complete shock and a a surprise, it doesn't mean you don't go through with it because you might have legitimate business reasons to to do something. But it gives you a chance to take a pause and take a moment and really think through what you're about to do.
3: Yeah, definitely. My thing is merciful. Merciful. Short is merciful. (laughs) So, you know, we kind of go on and on with our termination. Sometimes I know as a a young manager, I made that mistake several times. And you realize, man, if I were sitting on this other side of the table, I would want it to be short and sweet. Um, All right. Last question from my end. What's your go to comfort food?
4: Well, I'm half Filipino, so my wife makes the best. She made it last night, and I ate it at one in the morning when I got home from work. (laughs) Chicken adobo Mm. and rice. But I'm trying to be better because I'm Grandpa Mike. Is, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so last night game. was, was spinach, but next. definitely
4: chicken adobo. It reminds <laughs> me of what my mom cooks. But interestingly enough, my wife makes it better. Being Pakistani from USA makes it the best wow. chicken adobo in the world.
3: Oh, wow. Nice. Don't, don't t- tell mom. Don't tell mom.
4: Exactly. No, my, my mom awesome. confirmed th- that her chicken adobo is oh, better right. than hers. Yeah.
3: It's all a family then. <laughs> nice. Jonathan?
5: I go back to my all-American meal.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Very consistent. The Texan sticks by his guns... <laughs>
5: Thank you for plugging Texas because I, I have actually have not plugged Texas yet, and I always try to plug know, Texas. I'm very proud of where I'm from. Wh- whereabouts in Texas? I'm, uh, I mean, if you really want the story, I'm from a really small town. Until I was seven years old, I lived in a town of 300 people. Grew up in rural Texas on a farm. Wow. Then I moved to the city when I was seven. Um, that was a town of 6,000 people, which was like <laughs> that big, was the city, big like, deal. Like to Manhattan, us. the city. But yeah. then I went to <laughs> Austin for school, and then I then I'm now <laughs> here in the city in the biggest the biggest and greatest city in the world so he's
3: in the big city but his heart is still in texas Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right mike i'm gonna turn it over to you
2: well obviously travel is definitely a good way to relax right everyone loves to travel i personally you know book my travel around food usually right and i spend hours and hours like mapping out where i'm gonna go where i shouldn't go (laughs) it's really as as easy to have a crappy meal than have a great one right so planning is important so michael when you travel uh, where would you go if you, let's say, I have a week, right, with the little girls, the wife, everybody? I, we
4: think about it and discuss it once a week, 100%. Right? Where so there we is a place <laughs> in Krabi, Thailand, called Raya Vadi, which is a resort. You have to take a long tail boat, wow. 20 minutes, and it the level of hospitality there is surpasses anything I've ever seen in the world. And it's just amazing. We really thought there was microphones in in our little bungalow, because every time we would leave, something would appear we hmm. were talking about champagne we come back and there would be champagne and rose petals we have nicknames for each other call each other monkey these two stuffed monkeys appeared we're like okay
2: this there's is definitely a- <laughs> you've you got cameras and mics in that um room. but oh it's, it's
4: anywhere i would say that really kind of embodies and puts forth hospitality is just not what we provide but it's, it's what we just want to surround mm-hmm. ourselves with and seek
2: nice jonathan your sweet spot you can plug texas again And what would you eat when you get there? And you can plug the uh, burger and fries as well.
5: Oh, my gosh. I don't know about... I I can't think of anywhere in particular. I guess my sister lives in Taiwan, or she did for eight years. She now lives in China. And I travel for food. Everywhere I go, I'm just looking up where the best food is and... Um uh, me and my aunt often joke that we don't have stop buttons. So when I go out to eat, I, if it's in front of me, I just keep eating. I love good food. It's what brings the world and and people together and um the sh- the street food in Taiwan is just amazing. And I and I just love simple, no-frills food too and and nice. that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. So anywhere I go, whether, you know, I grew up going and going on vacations in, in Mexico and Colorado and, and kind of neighboring places to Texas. I'm always just looking up food and, nice. and I land at the airport. I, I just was in LA. I
2: landed in the airport. And mm-hmm. the first thing I did after I is I went to a restaurant. Awesome, <laughs> That's the way to go. Awesome. Uh, quickly on the last one. Um, you get home, obviously late night. What is your um, poison of choice to get A little bit of sleep, right? You're uptight. You're all hyper, wired up. And feel free. I don't think anyone, uh, any federal, (laughs) I don't think no one's listening. Um, Yeah.
4: I would say say a a nice California white. All right. right? Two nights ago was Obon Climat from Santa Barbara, which is the neck of the woods uh, that I'm from. So I always kind of lean towards something in the Santa Barbara area. But uh, nice white, glass of white, while I'm kind of unwinding and... Nice. That does
5: the trick. I'm a red guy, so I like a nice (laughs) glass of red, but I'm going to bring it back full circle to a nice glass of red and unwind with The View. (laughs) Reruns. The View reruns. Well, I'm often at work when The View is actually on, so I I watch it on Hulu
2: um, as I'm going to bed. Nice. Awesome. Well, again, thank you both for being here, Uh, Jonathan and Michael. Thank Thank you. you to our sponsors, One House and Empowered Hospitality. Uh, you can catch this online, obviously Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be back uh, in a few with a new show.
4: So much fun! Thank so you, everybody. So thrilled to
3: host you. Thank you for being here.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye bye.
0: <laughs>
6: bye.